One of the most asked questions by Christians, or by many people, how do we hear from God? How do I know what he's saying to me? Is he speaking to me? How do I know whether God's speaking to me or if it's my own thoughts? Or am I hearing, you know, am I hearing another voice? Is it the voice of God? Is it the voice of someone else? Is it the voice of the enemy? You know, the voice of the devil? Or is, it the, is it the voice of fear? Is it the voice of worry? Is it the voice of Pizza X from last night? How do I know? <laughs> How do I know when God is speaking to me? For the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about hearing from God. Because the good news is we serve a God who speaks. We serve a God who communicates to us. We serve a God who talks to us, who wants to let us in on what he's doing, who wants relationship with us, and all relationships involve communication. The book of Hebrews begins like this. Hebrews 1, it's not in your, in your outline, but uh, it's, it's the very beginning of the book of Hebrews. You can write that down. It says, long ago, God spoke many times, and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he's spoken to us, to us through his son. All throughout the Bible, you see God speaking to his people. He speaks a lot. We're just not always sure or not always aware of what he's saying. But at least ten times in the New Testament, the Bible tells us, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Three times in the gospel, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Ten to, or seven times, rather, in the book of Revelation, says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God is a speaking God, and he wants his church to be a listening church, to listen for and to listen to his voice. A lot of times I know it's hard to know what God is saying to us, but it really doesn't have to be. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10. He said, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. NLT says the sheep recognize his voice. The NIV says the sheep listen to his voice. They're listening, and when they hear it, they recognize it as their shepherd. They know it's their shepherd that's speaking to them. What's really cool about this thing with sheep and shepherds and hearing their voice is you can have two flocks. Maybe you've got you know shepherd over here and a shepherd over here, and the flocks come together and they mingle. Maybe they're crossing the road at one point. Maybe they're just, you know, eating in the same pasture and, you know, they can mingle together. But when one shepherd decides it's time to move on, he calls his sheep. And the sheep that are his hear that and those sheep will follow him out and the others won't. Then the other shepherd will call the, his sheep and they'll follow him out, and the, she and, and the sheep the, uh, uh, begin to separate again, following their shepherd. And he leads them. He's not behind them, like driving them like cattle. You ever watch old westerns? How many are western fans? 
Yeah, I, I used to, my dad used to, you know, say that, you know, whenever I'd come to visit him, any time, day or night, any day of the week, any week of the year, I could turn on the TV and instantly find a Western. I don't know if that says more about TV or more about me, but um, I could find him. Anyway, when you have a cattle drive on TV, what do you have? You have men on horseback, cowboys on horseback, and they're driving those cattle. They're getting them out to run out ahead of them and, and so forth and trying to steer them and all that. A shepherd works differently. A shepherd will call his sheep, and he will be out in front of his sheep, and he leads his sheep. Now, why does that matter? Because we belong to our shepherd. He is our good shepherd, and he leads us. That means that wherever he takes us, he's already been there. That means that he arrives ahead of us. Whatever he's taking you through in life, he's already arrived there because he is leading you. He's ahead of you. I think that's significant. He gets there first. He's never going to lead us somewhere that he's not gone there first. Proverbs 3, 6 in the message says, Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, He's the one who will keep you on track. This isn't, see, when we talk about hearing God's voice, we're not just talking about in the big things. We need to hear his voice in the little things as well, in the everyday things. The phone calls that you answer, the emails you respond to, the text messages, the social media posts. Listen to God's voice in everything you do. He's always speaking. The problem is we're not always hearing or we're not always listening. There's often a disconnect, and the problem isn't on the speaking end. He's more than willing to speak. He speaks all the time. It's on the hearing end. God's speaking, and we're just not hearing. Now, why? Well, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 8 about a farmer that's going out to sow a seed. At the end of that parable, verse 8, he says, well, a verse we've already looked at. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, I'm speaking, so pay attention to what I'm saying here. So let's look at the story Jesus told. Let's listen with ears to hear. Because Jesus actually makes it very easy for us. He's then going to turn right around and tell the disciples what the story means. We don't have to guess at this at all. So let's take a look at the story. <laughs> Starting in verse 5, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Some seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I want you to notice something in this story. First thing I want you to notice and realize is that the seed was the same. Okay, same seed. Some of it fell on the path, some of it on the rocky soil, and that which fell among the thorns or the good soil, it was all the same seed, identical, the same thing. Jesus goes on to say that the seed was the Word of God. Okay? God was speaking, 
and his word was falling on four different types of soil. The soil is our human heart. The soil is our heart. See, the problem isn't that God isn't speaking. He's speaking his word to us through the Bible and in so many other ways as well. The problem is that we're not hearing it. And it has a lot to do with the condition of our hearts. He gives us four different scenarios, and each one of these fits into, each one of us here fits into one of these four scenarios. The first one's in in verse 12. We'll read the verse, and then I'll tell you what it is. The first one is verse 12. It says, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that may not believe and be saved. God's speaking, but the devil comes and takes it away. You can call this the polluted heart. Polluted heart. God's trying to speak, but we've got other junk in our lives that, so that we can't hear him. It's blocking our ability to hear what God is saying. It's getting in the way. It's polluting our ability to, to hear. It's getting in the way couple of things this can be one it can be sin in our lives blocking God's voice you know now we all have sin okay none of us is sinless and but the thing is where we've repented of it and you know then Jesus is taking care of it we don't have to worry about that anymore so really what we're talking about here is unrepented sin sin that we haven't taken to God and we haven't received forgiveness yet uh, th- that blocks their ability to, to hear God. It, it, it pollutes the, the communication between us and God. It pollutes our heart, and the Word of God is snatched away before we can really even hear it because of unrepented sin. Now, the second part of this pollution is not things that we did ourselves, but things that others have done to us. This is relational strife. Anybody ever have any of that? Anybody here ever go through any relational strife in their world, in their lives? A few of you are normal. Most of you have, well, I should say, the unrepentant sin of lying. <laughs> in, in, in church, no less. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. <laughs> we'll deal with that another time. Uh, uh, um, but, but, you know, it's, it's things that, it's relational strife, it's, it's, you know, things in our life, I mean, you can pretty much count on it. Every time you decide you're going to draw closer to God, what happens? The enemy stirs something up, stirs up a relationship in your life. And, you know, usually those that are close to you, something goes sideways in that relationship, and you're all in a turmoil, and he will use that to block your hearing from God. You're hearing the voice of God. You're hearing Him speak. He'll use that relationship to, you know, stirring it up to, to block God's voice. That's why it's so important to keep your relationships free and clear of all the negative junk that wants to crowd in on you. Things like unforgiveness, things like resentment, things like offenses, things like anger, because all that blocks you f- from hearing God's voice. That's why I think one of the most beautiful words in the world, if we realize what it really means, is repentance. 
repentance. I mean, it really is. Because you can take all the junk that you've got inside, the unforgiveness, the resentment, the bitterness, the, the, all, all of that, and you can take it to Him and get rid of it. Just get rid of it. I did a message one time years ago called the, the Beautiful Side of Repentance. And, you know, because it really is a beautiful thing. It's a chance to start over. Do you realize that? The enemy has us thinking that that's some dirty word, you know, and, and it's like, you know, somebody standing there saying, you know, repent and, you know, and, and, and banging it into us. No, it's an offer from God. It's an offer from God. It's not a negative thing. And James 1.21 says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept. You know, we read that. How we read the scriptures matters so much. We can read this in two ways. We can say, get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. We can read it like that, right? How many of you ever heard things read like that? Yeah. Um, or we can read it like, Get rid of the filth and the evil that's in your lives. Just get rid of it and humbly accept the word of God that is, he's planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your soul. That's an invitation. It's not a negative thing. It's not an accusing or slamming statement. It's a message of hope. It's a promise of life, of, of, of power to change. So, you know, get rid of all the junk and then you'll be able to Humbly accept the word. You'll have ears to hear. You'll be able to accept the word that God has planted in your heart. See, because in order to begin a new life, you have to leave the old behind. You can never begin a new life until you leave the old behind. And that's what repentance is all about. It's simply turning from the old and to the new. Now, the second kind of heart is the distracted heart. It's the distracted heart. <clears throat> Let's look at that. Verse 13. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they'll wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. A couple of things here. First, they receive the word and they're initially filled with joy when they hear his message. They're filled with joy. They receive the gospel as good news, and joy fills their heart, and why wouldn't it? The gospel is truly the best news that a person can receive, that God has come back, and he is in charge, he is in control again. But the problem is, once they receive it, it doesn't have a chance to take root in their lives. It's because so many other things are competing with it. Something is always coming up, and interfering with the seed of the word putting down deep roots. The roots aren't going deep. Now, when um, we read this as rocky soil, those of us here in southern Indiana think about soil or a big field with a lot of rocks in it, right? A lot of rocks in the, in the, in the soil. And, and that's what we think of. You know, I, I've, I've said before that when we first moved from California back to Indianapolis, I was a little kid. And we, Dad built a house on this 
property and it was full of rocks. And I would spend every Saturday, I spent every Saturday morning for 80 years in the backyard with this bucket this full. And I would have to pick up rocks out of the dirt and put them in that bucket and then carry it and put it somewhere else. Now, that's probably not too much of an exaggeration considering I was in like, uh, well, it would have been like first, second, third, first, second grade, something like that. That's what it seemed like to me. But that's what we think of. But it's not like that. In Palestine, when it says rocky soil, it's a sheet of rock that's just a short distance be underneath the surface of the soil. So when the roots try to go down, they don't have anywhere to go. They can't go down. They can't get through the rock. You know, so, so it's, that's what we need to think of. It's, it's, they're just shallow roots. You know, so you know, uh, 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 it, it, it grows for a little while, and on the surface it seems like you know, everything is doing okay, but the roots aren't going down. And then so something happens, and they don't have the root system to sustain it, to sustain themselves. So you know, uh, I love the way this translation says it when it says they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. They wilt. When the hot winds of testing blow, they wilt under pressure and stress because something else always gets in the way of nurturing and strengthening their faith. And here's the thing. Often it's a good thing. Often it's a good thing. But no matter how good something is, it's not good to let it compete with the things of God and interfere with our growth in Him. We get distracted by good things, so that our roots don't go down deep. Their two sisters were friends of Jesus in the Bible. One time Jesus went to their home for dinner. One of them, Mary, had ears to hear. She was intent on hearing Jesus speak. She wanted to hear, and she wanted to learn all she could. She wanted her roots to go deep. So, you know, uh, uh, in Luke 10, we see this. In verse 39, it said, Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha, her sister, was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Now, Mary had ears to hear, but Martha was distracted by good things. Dinner is a good thing. How many would agree that dinner is a good thing? Dinner is a good thing, okay? It's, and, and, and all the preparations that had to take place in that, in that. But Mary had ears to hear. Her heart wasn't distracted, even by good things. If you want to prepare your heart to hear from God, then sink your roots down deep. And to do that, you're going to have to tune out the distractions. And not let them get in the way, no matter what they are. Say, I'm going to do the things to root myself in God's truth. I'm going to do the things I need to, to root myself in his word. And I'm not going to let anything get in the way, no matter how good it is. Third place the seed fell was among the thorns. And this represents the immature heart. It's the immature heart. Verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not, what? They do not mature. 
the immature heart. Most translations say thorns, some say weeds. The idea is the same. They choke out, choke the life out of the good seed that sprouted and started to grow so that, as it says in verse 14, they do not mature. They never reach maturity. It's the immature heart. You could also call it the neglected heart because the weeds and thorns aren't pulled up. They're allowed to grow along with the seed, the good seed. The immature person is the person who responds to the gospel by receiving forgiveness, but then they just stay stuck there. They don't grow to maturity. It's like, wow, so glad. Got my sins forgiven, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Happy day. Don't have to worry about that anymore. And they stay there. They continue to live their lives as before without any change. They go on their way. They're choked by the worries, riches, and pleasures of life, and they don't mature. When you look at them a year or two down the road, even three or five or ten years down the road, their lives don't look any different than they did before. See, God's plan is that we would grow and mature. When a baby is born, you don't expect it to be able to do much, do you? I mean, it eats, it cries, it makes a mess, and it looks cute. Really? That's about all a baby does. It eats, cries, makes a mess, and looks cute. But you expect them to grow out of that baby stage. I mean, the bigger they get, the more you look forward to being done with the diapers, if you know what I mean. Right? You got a six-year-old walking around in diapers, you know. Um, God bless you. You need some grace. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, it's, it's, you know, you expect the maturing to take place. You know, sometimes we wonder why God doesn't speak to us more. And it's not that God isn't speaking. It's, but we're just not able to hear because we've not grown to a place of maturity. We're still stuck at the same place that we were before. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, a week goes down the road, you, you, you receive Christ into your life, you start following him, and a week down, goes down the road or a year goes down the road and you've got it all figured out and no problems anymore. And nothing. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I come to Christ... He does a work of forgiveness in my life. He gives me new life. So I'm born again, as the Bible calls it. Then I start to walk as he's leading me. And change begins to happen in my life. Right? I've shared some of my testimony before where I... You know, I, I gave my life to Christ in July of, um, yeah, it was right about within this few days here, July of 78, okay? I mean, and I, God just did a work in me. 
I used to, you know, like I, I, I would come home from, from classes. I was a student here at IU. I would come home from classes. I would put Dallas Home on the stereo. I would sit down, open my Bible, light a joint, and smoke it while I'm reading my Bible. So, man, this is great, right? Don't answer that. He might give something away. Um, and then, you know, that went on for about two weeks. And about two weeks, God started speaking to me and saying, um, Dave, we need to talk. And he kind of dealt with that. So went through a process. I won't get into that all, right, all that right now, but, but I stopped doing that stuff. And I'm walking along, and then there's other stuff he starts speaking to me about and starts dealing with me about, saying, hey, why don't we try doing things this way instead of that way now? Why don't you do, you know, why, why? and, and he, he, he worked in my life so that by the end of the summer, I was a different person. I was a different person right away, but I mean, at the end of the summer, I, there was a noticeable change. Uh, one of my party buddies uh, uh, for the summer, had, he and his wife had gone to Germany because that's where she was from. Okay, they went to Germany for the summer to visit family. He comes back. I run into him at the business building, you know, when fall semester started. And, and hey, Dave, how you doing? Oh, great. How you doing? And, and you know, we're catching up in that, what the summer was. And, and he goes, yeah, we need to get together. We need to party sometime. I looked at him. I said, I don't do that anymore. He goes, what, what do you mean? And I told him. My life belonged to Christ now. I, I, you know, I, I, I gave my life to Christ. I was following him. I just didn't do that stuff anymore. He goes, oh, okay. Well, hey, we'll see you later. And we parted, and I don't know, a couple weeks, month later, probably about a month later, ran into him again at the business building. Same type of scenario. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we need to get together. Yeah, we need to party. said, I don't do that anymore. And he looked at me and he goes, you're serious, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. There had been a change in my life. It didn't happen overnight, but there had been a change in my life. And from that day on, there's continued to be changes in my life. Sometimes very noticeable, sometimes not so noticeable, but my life is, is changed. Where was I? Oh, yeah, talking about nobody wants to, yeah, no, that was, a, that was a last point, that was the last point. Talking about babies in diapers and how you want them to get out of diapers quick and we have to grow and mature. Okay, there we go. You know, um, um, sometimes, you know, we're not able to hear God because we're not yet grown to a place of maturity. And, you know, those things are, other things are choking out the ability to hear his voice. And, and it's because we, a lot of times it's just because we lack discipline. You know, uh, 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 discipline is a maturity issue. An immature person lacks discipline. Look at Hebrews 12 now. It says, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, and I want you to think about this for a minute. He says, since we're surrounded by so many examples of faith, when's he writing this? He's writing this right after Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Who can tell me what Hebrews chapter 11 is? Hall of faith, the faith chapter, yes, exactly. 
So he's given us all these examples in, in Hebrews chapter 11 of people of faith and, and you know, what God was, was doing in their lives and through their lives. and All this example. And then he said, you know, example after example uh, of people walking in faith. And, and you know, th- then he, he says, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, like the ones that he just showed us, if we want to grow in maturity... If we want to grow in faith, then we need to look at the lives of those who walked in faith before us and of those who are walking in faith among us. Those who you look at their life and say, I want to have faith like him. I want to be a mature believer like that person. And we look at them as examples. We need to look at their example as inspiration to do the things they're doing. And then we go on and says, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. <clears throat> the need to run the race, we, we need to run the race unhindered by the things that would distract us and weigh us down if we want to reach a place of maturity. There are some things we need to just set aside. Some things we just need to cast off. Some things we just need to get rid of in our life because it's just weighing us down. We need to run this race unhindered. And we do that by focusing on Jesus, not the things of this world. We focus on Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something else. Look at um, those verses in your outline, Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to circle some words. Let's go by it, through it quickly, and I'm just going to call off the word. You find it and circle it, starting at the beginning. We. We. Us. Us. We. Us. We. Did you get that? We, we, us, us, we, us, we. <laughs> I want you to notice something there. We don't do this on our own. We, we, don't get distracted by the we, we, okay, turn diapers and yeah, we don't do this on our own, we can't do it on our own, we need others alongside of us, for their example, for their encouragement, for their help, we need others alongside of us, we will never grow to maturity isolated from the church, never, we need each other, fourth kind of soil represents the prepared heart. Verse 15, but the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. As we start this series on hearing from God, if you're really serious about wanting to hear God speak, and I don't mean an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know people that have, but I never have. Um, But he has still spoken very clearly to me over the years. If you want to that to happen in your life, if you're really serious about hearing from him, start by preparing your heart. Or making sure, checking, doing a self-check, say, you know, is my heart prepared? Am I ready to hear from him? Now, how do we do that? Three simple things. One, we've already touched on this, and that is repent. In other words, if you're going in the wrong direction, just change. Just turn around. 
God always stands. It's, well, let me say it this way. I was going to say God always stands willing to forgive us when we come to him. He doesn't stand willing to forgive us. He stands eager to forgive us when we come to him. Eager. There's a big difference. It's not just, well, if I have to, I guess I will. Okay, you're forgiven. He's eager. It's like, come on, come on, come to me, come to me, give it to me, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take it away from you. I'll help you walk the other direction. He's eager to forgive when we come to him in honesty and humility. Second thing, refocus. Refocus. Start focusing on other things. Change what you're giving your attention to. And you start with little things. In other words, instead of sitting down with your coffee in the morning and catching up on Facebook and Instagram or whatever, open your Bible and spend a few minutes with him while you're having your coffee. Because those other things can be such a distraction that we need to refocus. You open up Facebook, you open up Twitter, you open up Instagram, whatever, and before you know it, 45 minutes has gone by, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, where's the time gone? I'm going to be late for work. I make it a point that, that I, I do not touch the Facebook app or anything until I've had my quiet time. That is going to come first. So, so you know, or, or instead of Snapchatting or tweeting, you know, talk to God about your day. I'm not saying never do those things. I'm just saying take some time where it's like, okay, I'm not going to get wrapped up in this. Right now, I'm going to take this time and talk to God about my day. As 21 days of prayer starts this week, next week, take an hour in the evening or an hour on Saturday morning Come together with God's people and worship and pray. Really. Why not? Oh, I might miss something. You can DVR whatever you might miss. Right? It's one hour. Still got time for the kids to get out, you know, and, and get them home and fed and to bed. Now, you know, you may not be able to make every day, but make what you can. Make what you can. Third thing. Revive. Revive. Ask God to bring revival to your own heart, to your family, to the church, to Bloomington. Ask God to bring revival. Lord, come, let your kingdom come. Let your will be, isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? Let your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Bring, that's, that's revival. That's revival. Ask him, begin asking him for it and then listen for him to speak to your heart. Second Corinthians 7, 1 in the message says, let's make a clean break from everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. Some of us have things in our lives that we need to make a clean break from. Things that don't do us any good. In fact, some are not only distracting, they're downright destructive. 
And if we want to hear God speaking to us, we need to prepare our hearts because God's voice is clearest in a prepared heart. God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. So let's prepare our hearts. I'm expecting, I am expecting for God to speak to us as we press in close in 21 days. I'm expecting, expect, I'm, uh, I think this water is about three weeks old, but hey, it works. I'm expecting that God would speak to individuals who press in, and I'm expecting him to speak to us as a church. So, um, that's what I'm expecting. Worship team, come up. While they're coming...